You're listening to the Be a Better Lawyer podcast with Dina Cataldo, episode 227. So how do high-achieving lawyers break through generations of being taught that we have to grind ourselves into the ground to get results for clients, build a successful business, and create a life we love? While law schools are busy teaching the rule of law, they're slacking on teaching us how to be a better human to create for ourselves the success we thought we'd achieve after law school. This podcast bridges the gap between law school and life. Hello, hello. How are you today? Today, I want to introduce you to my new friend, Judith Gatton. She is smart, she's sassy, and she has a fashion sense. She also happens to be a former managing partner turned style coach. In our conversation, we talk exactly how she shifted from litigator to coach while practicing full-time. As you know, I made the same shift, and that means we talk time management, mind management, and trying new things. We also talk about our first impression of coaching when we were introduced to it. It may not be what you expect. And one of my favorite parts of this conversation is how you can show up as your most authentic self, even at the office or in court. Before we jump in, I want to tell you something. Last week, I was thinking about my email subscribers and how I could help them create the change that they want in their life. And I came up with something so simple, so easy, that it even blew my mind. And at once, I sent them an email letting them know what it was, and the response has been amazing. I can't wait to share this with you. I want to offer it to you too. If you have ever wished that you could implement what you are learning here on the podcast in a way that was really easy, but you've always thought, well, you know what? It's just too hard. It's too much, and I just don't have time. I want you to join me for this. It's called Awareness and Action. Starting October 3rd, 2022, if you're listening to this in the future, you will get brief morning emails from me for two weeks, Monday through Friday. They're going to hit your inbox at 4 a.m. Pacific, so early risers on the East Coast can read them before work. And in each email, I'm going to offer you one thing to pay attention to that day and one thing that you can do later. It's going to be a set of questions that you can ask yourself to explore deeper. This is a mini course in shifting how you think and how you feel each and every day. It's simple and doable. And by the end, you'll not only have more awareness of what you may be tolerating in your life, but you will have tools to help you change. Plus, you're going to get unlimited access to me via email. And that means you can ask for clarifications. You can ask for help working through a question. You can ask for a mini coaching, right, over email. And I will respond personally. How much am I charging for this? Nothing. Why? I am doing this to show you the power of coaching and how simple it is to make change in your life. Change is accessible. My clients do it all the time. They get more personalized attention and a fuller experience every week, but I want to give you a taste of it. You can join me for awareness and action by going to dinacataldo.com forward slash awareness. You're going to get an introductory email and then you're going to get the two weeks of emails after that. 
Now, if you are hearing this podcast episode after October 3rd, you can still sign up. You just won't get the same kind of email access to me. You may get them on different days. And just a heads up, I may decide to charge for this in the future. So I might remove it from the the website. So you might want to get on this as soon as possible. You want to get on this as soon as you hear this episode because this is not something that people do. Like, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody doing this in the coaching space. So I want you to get the benefit of this while it is up and accessible right now. So go to dinacataldo.com forward slash awareness to start implementing what you're learning on the podcast in an easy to digest way. Okay, now one more thing. Invite your friends. Tell them about this. Why would you hoard this? Why would you keep this to yourself? If you're doing this, how amazing would it be for you to have somebody share this experience with you and you can even exchange notes? Like this would be such the perfect opportunity for you to share coaching experience, this change experience, this awareness experience with them. So share the link, dinacataldo.com forward slash awareness, or share this episode so that they know what this is all about. Okay. Now here's my conversation with Judith Gatton. You can go to the show notes at dinacataldo.com forward slash 227 to get all the links for what we talk about. I'm going to make sure that I link to everything there. Enjoy. Judith. I am so glad that you're here today. I'm so glad too. And we had a precursor chat a few weeks ago. So I've been like, I'm going to talk to my girl today. We're going to have fun, a little party in the podcast room. This is going to be, this is just going to be such a fun episode. And I love the personality you bring. Like I found you through Instagram and the life coach school. And I was just like, I love her personality. And I think she would be so much fun to have a chat with on the podcast for everybody to hear. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Can you just start by introducing yourself to who's listening? Yeah. So I'm Judith Gatton. I'm a master certified coach and I'm a personal stylist. So altogether, I like to say like master style coach or style coach. And I'm a former managing partner. (laughs) I was an 11 year litigator before I stopped full-time practice. And now I'm a full-time coach. There was something that came up for me when we were having that conversation. And so often I've heard this to me, told to me too. It's like, how did you do that? Like, how did you go from this identity as this high powered litigator and then decide you wanted to become a style coach? Like, how did you navigate that? Yeah, I I mean, it didn't happen all at once. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's funny, right? When we have these stories where we made this huge identity shift or this big change, and then people get to hear the end version. I mean, this was, I mean, anybody who's coached me for a gazillion years, this was a journey of like, let's see, do, 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 I'm trying to do math in my head. Lawyers don't do math, right? That's kind of the running joke amongst us all. Um, So I first met my coach in 2016 and I was highly skeptical when I found coaching. I thought it was rubbish and BS. And I had a client, we were in high profile litigation, um, a big divorce. And suddenly she said she wanted to be a life coach. And I was like, absolutely not. That is made up. And she had already been given an admonition in terms of like, you need to find employment. And I remember just being like, that is not a real job, (laughs) like being really upset. So I went to Pinterest to search out what the hell that was, which is funny because there's probably part of me that didn't really want to know because why didn't I go to Google? 
I went to Pinterest. I think it's so funny. And then I found my coach and she introduced me to the idea that I can choose what I think and that my thoughts create my feelings. And from my feelings, I take action and I pulled fellow attorneys and I was like, does that sound right? Like, does, that, does the logic <laughs> of that sound? And it started a transformation. You know, I didn't finally um, resign from practice until what year are we in? 2021, June 30th, 2021. And even then it was a three month process. I mean, when you're a managing partner, you don't just leave. That's not the cool thing to do. And my partners were so amazing and incredible. And they told me, if you ever need anything, we're your safety net. I was like, Hey, my parents are worried. And they're like, we'll write you a letter that you can give to your parents to let them know we've got you (laughs) just in cases, which again, it's like unheard of amazingness, right? But they probably saw it coming. I knew it was coming. This was years in the making and it was a slow transition, sometimes painful transition, but something I would totally do all over again. Yeah. What was the pain? The pain was just the weight of expectations, right? So I'm Latin by descent. I'm Puerto Rican. And I was the first one in my family to obtain a doctoral degree and you know all these hopes and expectations and i don't even know that my family would have articulated it that way my mom's always been like you do you baby it was you know other members of my family who put a lot of stake in what they had to say and just like what will people think yeah and i have a serious job that i get to like loudly pronounce when someone asks me what i do and now i have to tell them i'm a coach and like that was that just felt so weird because right. even i still had my like I mean, this is some made up shit. Like it's some cool made up shit and it helps people's lives, but also it's some made up shit, right? Like this is a profession that didn't exist in its current form for, you know, centuries, like a lawyer. Right. So prestigious. So that was the painful part. It was just, I felt the weight of expectations, my, the weight of what I perceived other people were thinking, even if they didn't say it, you know, the weight of having to announce this new profession and did I believe in myself enough to declare it just as proudly as I did when I was an attorney. Yeah. Those were all the same pains I had, just FYI. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're in a good boat, lots of amazing people. I'm not of Latin descent, but I had the same thoughts. It was just like, okay, my parents are going to think I'm crazy. Everybody in my office is going to think I'm nuts. Like what? They probably still think I'm nuts and that's okay. Cause it's all right. I'm enjoying my life. So <laughs> <laughs> but I, mean, I overheard my Thea, like my aunt, I was, they thought I was asleep. She's talking to my mom. They're like whispering, right? This is last weekend. And my aunt's like, does she like it? can she pay her bills? Like, is it good? My mom's like, she's really happy. It's good. But what does she do exactly? I know, <laughs> I just, right? I was just like, under the covers, like, I mean, I, I mean, I'm almost 40. I could announce that I'm awake, but I'm enjoying this way too much. <laughs> I, it's so funny because when I first learned about coaching, it was through Tony Robbins and he had like this coaching program. And I'm like, I'm not even really sure what you do. Like, I just, what do I call this person? And they like, tell me things like what happens? And I was just like, look, my life, it just feels like a mess. I just need to go in and like, try something, anything. And then it turned out it was them asking me what I wanted and like asking me questions. And I had to think, and it was like, 
It was like, oh, so this is amazing, but I've never heard of this before. Yeah. Um, so that was it took it took some time for me to to understand that too. It, was, it felt like a crapshoot <laughs> when I when I joined that. I was like, well, yeah, I think it's like I've tried everything else. I'm in therapy, and right. I, this is supposed to help. <laughs> like something's got to help here. I don't know. Um, they seem pretty happy. What's happening? Um, but tell me. Now that you are a life coach, tell us exactly what you do and who you help. Yeah. So I help high achieving women and the entry point in my coaching is style. So I like to think of styles kind of like the beautiful ground floor. Like we're going to get you dressed and ready for the world outside your closet. Most women, especially the smart cookies and high achievers that I work with, they are very successful, right? In their own right. They have pieces of paper, they have the career, they have experience and they run things, they're the face of things. But no one's ever talked to them about the style stuff. So it's kind of like, it feels like this weird missing ingredient for them. Like, I'm so smart, why can't I figure this part out? And we kind of like to say like, you figured out your career, but not your closet. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're gonna help you with the closet part, but I think the beautiful thing about coaching style is I think it's a beautiful conduit to someone's heart and mind, particularly women, especially if they've been told like, Hey, disconnect from your body, disconnect from your emotions, you know, be stoic, be an automaton. Like there's no crying and, you know, trial, there is no crying in baseball kind of attitude. Like just go be smart. You don't have to worry about being pretty or taking care of yourself or learning about any of those things. You know, that's so fascinating. Cause as you were saying that, what popped into my head, there was this, um, trial attorney I worked with and she was fabulous. She had multiple interests outside of trial, right? Like she was doing kickboxing classes. She was like running for office in her county outside of our county at the DA's office. And she dressed to the nines. She looked so good, right? Like she had herself, you know, made up, beautiful outfit, tailored, beautiful shoes. She was very fit, kickboxer, right? And people in the office I mean you could just kind of tell it was just kind of like oh like she's she's like dressing up too much right like what what is the right amount of too much like there's people who dress up and there's people who don't dress up and then she would tell stories I remember her telling me something about um she was in front of a trial and after the jury was released like some of the jurors were like saying things like I don't know like your clothing is just so distracting like they were <laughs> Oh my god! Like, Cute like, eye roll. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so tell me about like if you've had the, those kinds of experiences or if you've heard those kinds of stories because I thought it was absolutely ridiculous because the quality of your argument does not shift based upon the outfit that you're wearing. So <laughs> I mean, and luckily in my practice area, I appeared and we, we there were no jury trials, so it was only with a judge. It's technically administrative law because I did workers' compensation defense. Um, we were in trial very often, but our trials just were more wild west, <laughs> right? And I come from a civil litigation background, which was extremely formal. So I remember my first workers' compensation trial, and I asked the judge, um, I was proffering evidence for admission, and then I asked if I could approach to show it to the witness once the judge had taken a look, and she was like, oh, wow, okay, hold on. Did you do civil? Like, that was, I mean, it was beautifully done, but also, wow, you could have just, like, asked me if I, you could come up. <laughs> <laughs> and like, 
there's no technical well, so like you wouldn't you wouldn't stand. It was just it was so awkward because I came from this like super formal trial background, and I had appeared in federal court where the well is giant, right? Right. So I remember just being like, this is so weird. This is the wild west, but because. There's a little bit looser formality. There is definitely formality and procedure, but it's a lot looser. I was able to show up more often as myself mm-hmm. in terms of finally like wearing a red vintage lip and doing my hair more vintage style and dressing more vintage style more often. Now, again, this is a process over time because I had to acclimate my own brain to people looking and commenting and saying things and wanting to touch my hair, which I still think mm. is such a strange human inclination to go touch strangers' hair. And my judges got used to seeing me this way. So it didn't matter that opposing counsel would be like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> or you see like, you know, just, you know, plaintiff in those cases, um, what we call applicant would just like side eye, like you're the defense attorney, like I'm the defense attorney. I was like, are you the court reporter? Oh. No, I'm not the court reporter. I'm defense counsel. Oh, oh. Are you the interpreter? No, ma'am. I am not the interpreter. Um, we'll wait for them to arrive. No, the lawyers aren't supposed to look attractive <laughs> or enjoy we're not, apparently their we're appearance. Not. So female defense attorneys in particular, we are just not permitted. Mm. It's not allowed. And I, yeah, I mean, the comments I get. And I, some of them I enjoyed, I have to say, because it was like, you clearly have no idea what else to say, so this is what's going to come out of your mouth, and I'm right. cool with it. <laughs> right, I was about to go to trial with one of my opponents, just a nice gentleman. We had five million cases together because of the nature of that kind of practice, and he, <laughs> he was waiting for me so he could yell at me. And I was wearing a fabulous blue coat and had this great little blue handbag to match. I had like very Jackie O hair that day. <laughs> it was almost disarming because he just looked at me. He's like the ever fabulous. Oh, Miss Hoover is my actual married name. And he was like, okay, what do you want to do? And it was like, oh! I think he was like geared up to like have a fight, you know? And I just took the window. You too fabulous for me to say those things. I can't be mean to you. Look at no. you. You look like a doll. Okay, come on. <laughs> you know, I'm super curious. How do you work with your clients to really start connecting them with who they want to dress up as? Right. Like who they want to show up as every single day, because there might be a disconnect between, you know, I just want super easy. Let me put on the first thing I see in my closet versus like, you know, I really do want to wear sparkles. I think sparkles would be fun. Like, how do you help them make that shift? Yeah. So oh, a few things. And this is kind of important. We talk about style as a conduit to your heart and mind. Right. So I think the beautiful thing is we get to play with introducing women to the concept of listening to their own voice, that their opinion matters most, to stop pulling the room to see if they're okay, if they're all right, if they're allowed to proceed forward, and really tuning into their own preferences again. So style is a fun way to do that because chances are there are things you already like that you're just not allowing yourself to enjoy. Yeah right? A sparkly finger polish, um, a really great hoodie. If that's your jam, we're going to find you the best damn hoodie in the world. If you really love good athletic wear and that's what you live in, then we're going to find you that version. I have clients who dress full, beautiful suiting and silk blouses and silk scarves, and that's their jam, right? But the key is finally allowing yourself to admit what you like and to let go of anything you've told you should wear that you have to do that you actually don't love. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's a layer for some of us that there are particular protocols in terms of how we're supposed to appear, right? So there are still rules, and if I'm just using a lawyerly example, no closed-toed shoes. I had some judges who were very adamant about that. They would not permit you to appear in front of them. You would have to get a continuance. You have to wear a jacket sometimes. Even if you run hot and it's 118 degrees outside and you have your wool jacket on. <laughs> I mean, even if you have to ask leave of court, which I've done on many occasions, like, Your Honor, may I remove my coat? Yes, you may remove your Right? right? Like you have to go in though with it on your closed toed shoes because those are certain rules and procedures of the profession. Doctors have to wear closed toed shoes. Often they have to wear a white lab coat if they're not, you know, different days. So we still want to work within those parameters, but there's so much room to play when you finally admit to yourself, like, what do I love? Yeah, I think that's really a question that I work with on my clients too. It's just, what do you want? Like, what is it that you like? What is it that you enjoy? Because so many of us don't have those answers when we first start and we get discouraged. We start to think like, oh, maybe I just don't know. So how do you kind of help them peel back that layer so that they can begin giving you and giving themselves those answers. Yeah, so one of the things I encourage them to do, and in my current membership, they're doing it as well. So in my eight-week program, it's part of the homework of the first week is you take a picture of yourself, full body, head to toe, unless you've had a history of um, eating disorders or body dysmorphia, in which case we have different things we do. But for my folks who don't have those issues, a picture every day, full body of yourself. And if you dare, like think it's like for me to like fashion police them, I have no interest in that. I love them. I don't care what they're wearing, frankly. So, I mean, I prefer they wear clothes, but, you know, <laughs> to them. Um, but really, so they can start to see themselves because naturally your brain will start to change things subtly. It will recognize when things are ill fitting in a way that you had never really thought of before. Like it creates this weird level of objectivity. So I have one client, she's like, you've ruined this shirt for me. Like I didn't do anything. She's like, it's huge. And she's very petite, lovely woman. And she's wearing probably four sizes too big. Mm. And she just saw herself finally, like really looked at herself and was like, I'm drowning in my clothes. Why am I doing that? Oh, I'm trying to hide my belly, but there's nothing wrong with my belly. And like, then we get all the coaching stuff that pops up for them. And we recognize that there are certain things that she actually prefers. She loves a great little trouser and she loves a great little blouse with her trousers. She actually hates t-shirts and she's not a huge fan of suit jackets. <laughs> like now we have all this information because we started to finally pay attention. Mm, yeah. So many of us are like so tuned out from our bodies and we're like, I want a makeover. I'm like, okay, let's pay attention to you for a week. Like really careful, loving attention. And then we can start the process and they're like, well, just give me the list of stuff to buy. I'm like, I could do that to you and you could buy all that shit and still be in the same position a week later. I won't do that to you. Yeah. My goal is like for you to really tune in again to yourself so that we can find out what you actually wear normally, what you actually like, what your lifestyle needs you to wear. And then we can layer on all the fun flair stuff. We have to pay attention to you. Again, this is about your relationship with yourself ultimately. Yeah, I love how you phrase that. It's it's really giving that loving attention to yourself because we give so much judgment to ourselves. We're, give, we're judging ourselves all day long how we didn't do this right and we didn't do that right and how I hate my body and how I hate the clothes that I have and I have nothing to wear. And we just like, we pile on all this judgment, but we forget like 
oh, wait a minute, all of this is optional. Like I get to just kind of stand back and take a look objectively and see what it is I like in my life and maybe what I want to change. And do it with like so much compassion for ourselves instead of being so mean to ourselves right. about everything going on. Yeah. I mean, and part of what I tell my clients is if you notice you're zooming into a particular part of your body, some part of your face, like teaching them the phrase zoom out. I'm mm. a whole human, zoom out. I have a whole body, zoom out. I'm not a, like a boob walking around or a belly walking around. I'm a whole human being because I think right when we finally do pay attention to ourselves our natural inclination is to just start nitpicking that's not what we're doing so it's a loving tuning in very very loving paying attention yeah and if, if you're listening to this and you're like what the heck like it takes practice it's not yes. an overnight thing like this is something that is just every day you just say something a little bit nicer to yourself <laughs> and you're just like oh, wait a minute, I notice how I'm being mean to myself and my hair or how I'm thinking about my nose today or my skin today. And it's like, wait a minute, I am really perfect just as I am. Like everything about me tells a story. Everything about me is a part of me and I can love every part of myself, even if I don't have the hips that I want or the belly that I want or whatever it is. It's like, that's okay. Like I can be perfect as is and I can make shifts to create what I want. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We don't even have to practice love, body love first. Like if we're not there, yeah. it could just be something as like, this is a human body. Yeah. Living in a human body. Check out my human body. <laughs> like, yeah. Doesn't even have to be like jump to love because for some of us, if we are coming from self-loathing or really having a hard time with body image, that's a hard sell. So we can take that off the table and just like less mean things perfectly. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point is because it's it is because it's such a process for a lot of us, like those little steps are so meaningful just to make it neutral. So we're just not being so mean to ourselves. I love that. All right. So this is what I, I wanted to also talk to you about is you were a full on managing partner at your firm. And you built a whole other business on top of that. I did the same thing in my practice. So I am like, I love your story because I think it gives people opportunities to see themselves in a new light. So many of us say we don't have enough time, that we just can't. And I'm curious about more about your story, if you could tell that for the listeners. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't start full out with a full-time practice, right? Again, don't, when you hear someone, the end of someone's story, we want to make sure like you ask some questions. And I love that you asked this question too. Like, what was the beginning of this look like? How did you get to that place? So I started with just a commitment of an hour in the evening, like rain or shine, whether it was the end of the month billing or trial preparation time, an hour. It was like, you can find an hour. And I mean, sometimes those were very sleepy hours. They were not the most productive hours. <laughs> sometimes they were like on fire kind of hours where I got a lot done. Like, but the hour was sacrosanct. It had to get done. And then I was like, okay, we have more than an hour. We've got like two. Like if we know that we really have like two, you can do two and you can start, you can do on Saturdays as well. Like find the time on a Saturday morning, just crank it out. And then your whole day is yours. 
And here's the interesting thing. The more I was very careful with creating boundaries in my legal profession, and the more I created constraint in terms of like, this is the amount of time I've allotted to this particular thing, whether it was research or brief writing or having a conversation or answering emails, like that was the time that it was allotted. So better get it done because at X time we were done for the day. And we will switch gears to working on our coaching practice. I mean, at first I didn't have any clients, so I <laughs> it felt like all this luxurious time, right? <laughs> I could create content and freebies and do my podcast and like, you know, take an hour to edit my podcast. Now that I find that laughable because my podcast is like eight minutes long. Right now I'm just like, I don't even edit. Yeah, yours, <laughs> you, you have a nice format where it's just like, boom, boom, boom. They're short, but I was like, why was it taking me an hour? I have questions. <laughs> Let's and plug I, your podcast real quick. Let's make sure they know it exists. Tell them. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll pause for a podcast plug. <laughs> My podcast is a Style Masterclass podcast. The episodes are about eight to 12 minutes long. They're very, very actionable, very bingeable. Um, but really, I mean, then it was kind of funny. So the more organized I got as a lawyer, then the more time I had for my coaching practice, and then the more organized I was in my coaching practice, I was so efficient. And it was funny, the first few months when I had stopped practice, I was kind of wandering around my house because I was like, well, what do I do with myself? Like, if I'm not billing about 14 hours a day, which is my typical billables as an attorney, mm. like, what do we, what do we, do? what do humans do? Do they like go to lunch? <laughs> yes, they have lunch and they don't do it at their desk. Right. I was like, oh, I could take a nap. I don't, I don't know if I like this yet. Like, it took a few months before I was like, you know that you could schedule things after 10 a.m., right? And you could like end your day at like three if you wanted. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Right? <laughs> yeah. But like it, it was a progression of when I organized my legal work and I created boundaries there, it freed up space for me to consider this other, the other parts of my life and to do the other things that I enjoy. So Sometimes, you know, I would prefer to just sew all weekend. And because I had created so much space in my legal work in terms of how I conducted myself there very efficiently, it freed up space to find all these other passions and loves and to learn about things and to go to conferences. And eventually it became, you know, two hours during the weekday, basically all day Saturday coaching. And then I hit a time period, um, like April, 2020, where it was like, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna start losing money on both sides if I don't sort out what my next steps are. Because I'm an amazing litigator, I was still getting what we call take nothings, which is like you win at trial, the other mm -hmm. party doesn't take anything in terms of your insurer doesn't pay anything out because of a myriad of reasons. I handled a lot of fraud cases. So typically it was attributed to fraud. We, we will give you nothing because you've committed fraud. Um, and oh my God, I have so many fun stories there. Oh my gosh, so many fun stories there. I won't bore your listeners, but oh, the fraud cases are just really people, really, you really. You can make this stuff up. I mean, we can take a, a diversion here, right? Like, I mean, I loved criminal law for that reason is because you could not make up the stories, whether it was the defendant side or the victim side. And like, they're not all like when I talk about these cases, they're not all like homicides that I'm talking about or domestic right. violence. A lot of times there are these neighbor squabbles 
that you deal with, like at the misdemeanor level, sometimes felony level, right? Like it is just, you don't even want to know. Like there's fights over lawnmowers and you're like, what is happening? Like it was a line. Why are we fighting over the line of being mowed? So I mean, I mean, right? All kinds of stuff like that. Like, I mean, and I would love one of my favorite things to do, and maybe this is wrong, but we we knew it was fraud because we had other evidence close in time that indicated the person was hurt at some other place doing some other thing. So I'd be like, well, can you demonstrate for me like how it happened? And they'd be like, yeah. And they're like, do this whole reenactment. I'd be like, do it again. Ah. <laughs> I remember one time the judge was like, that's enough. I was like, no, but I want to see because that was. It changed slightly the second time. Did you see that? I mean, we would just laugh. Because, I mean, really, bro? Really? Really? And then I had people who were extremely injured, who, what we call catastrophic claims, and they were genuinely injured, and that's a whole other kind of litigation. So, I mean, you see both sides of it, but at a certain point, it was like, I'm going to have to figure out where I want to be and how can I affect the most change in the world. And my dear friend, Maggie Reyes, who's an brilliant, amazing. Love her. Freaking love me some Maggie. I always give her a shout out. I can't love me some Maggie. She was like the last person in a very long line of coaches who had coached me on this particular topic. And I don't know how we came to, but basically she kind of lovingly, gently said like, you know, that you could like affect more change as a coach. And I don't think it ever really dawned on me. And I'm not really sure what particular order of words she said, but that was the message I got. And I was just like, oh, here it is. Now, here's here's the shift. And I remember there were a few cases that were really difficult. The litigation had gotten sideways. We'll just say things had gotten interesting. And um, I prayed. And I remember just like, okay, when I wrap these up, that will be the sign. Mm. And one of them I thought was totally going to wrap up and like things do at mediation. People got mad at each other. And when you have excess carrier involved, you know, sometimes you don't have control over things. And everybody got mad and everybody walked away and nobody was talking to each other. And I was like, oh, I need you to get back to the table. I have a plan, people. (laughs) (laughs) You're messing up my plan. You're messing up my plan. I let it lie. And I just was like, it is what it is. You know, maybe that's our sign. This is what we said, right? So... And I'm not usually that way, but this was very important to me that I see, I saw these particular set of things through to conclusion. And I remember opposing counsel call and was like, we're ready to come to the table. And it was like this weird piece mm. around it. And it happened so fluidly after all that horrible contention. And rightfully so, I think on both sides, everyone had rightfully so decided to walk away from the table and regroup the troops. And when that wrapped up and I turned the settlement paperwork in and even the judge was like, oh yeah, we settled like we were all like dance party in chambers. And I remember just thinking like, and now we're done. Like that chapter is like beautifully closed in the way that I could never have even fathomed that that would close so beautifully. And then I was on a really big podcast and things really blew up. Mm. And I told my, my, supervising partner right so like there's all kinds of tears but basically the guy over me um who i love and adore and is so supportive i told him like this is what's happening in my world this is what has come i'm about to be it's it's gonna blow up and we need to plan for my exit and he's like oh i'm so bummed but i'm so proud of you but i'm so bummed Mm. (laughs) and 
for three months, we lovingly informed clients. We just had set, we created this beautiful landing place where everybody felt good about where they were going, who was going to handle their files. The young attorneys that I was in charge of, like, let them know that I was still available if they needed to. Like, we did it in such a loving, kind way. But it was a process. And there were moments where I cried, of course. I was like, they're going to miss you guys. But then it's like, I'm not going to miss practice, per se. Like, I miss the sort of the adrenaline rush of trial. I'm not going to lie. I totally miss that sometimes. But I miss the humans. Mm, the humans were really yeah. intelligent, amazing humans. And then I was like, wait, oh, I could just call you and still go to lunch. Oh, I'm going to be mm. fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope that, you know, for everyone listening, they can hear. It wasn't just, okay, one day I just decided I was going to leave. It was, all right, let me try something new. Let me give myself just a little bit of space to try something new. And then I'll try some other things, but I'm always going to make sure that I carve out that little bit of time for me. And that way I can think about what I want and then just take some actions on it. And that snowballs. And I think we miss the big picture of like the compound effect of that over time and how we change the way we think, the way we approach our practice, the way we approach our time. For me, I noticed that when I started giving myself that little bit of time to start thinking, because it was my story is kind of similar to yours, like in the sense that I created that time for myself, I noticed that I was better able and I was more motivated to change the way I thought about my time in my law practice because I wanted that time to work on my business. Yeah. I wanted that time for me. And so if I hadn't decided like, yes, I want this time for me, I don't know that I would have changed anything else in my practice. Oh, I agree. I agree. I think it was a crazy, amazing motivator. Like, okay, do you want to be the last month, of the, the last week of the month, right? Sometimes if you're in a billing cycle, and I know that at the DA's office, you didn't have to bill, but for those in like big law where you do have to bill, right? Are you going to wait to the last week and drive yourself crazy and then hobbies, self-care, all of it goes out the window? Or are we going to have like organized time from week one through week four of the month taking care of everything we got to take care of, even when we don't want to, even when we don't feel like it, so that when it comes to our weekends or our evenings, our time really is our own. Yeah. Mm, this is so good. I love all of this. Okay. I want to kind of start wrapping things up here because I think I, we've touched on some really great topics, but I wanted to mention something that I saw on your website that I loved. And one of the things that you say is confident women change the world and leave legacies. I'm really curious what you want your legacy to be. Oh, I give you chills. <laughs> I mean, I have a really big vision for what I would want in the future. And I mean, talk about doing 1% every day basically to create something big. I had an idea seven years ago that I wrote on a piece of paper and it was called Modern Charm School. And I circled it and I was like, I don't know what this is. It's going to be amazing, whatever it is, whenever it comes to fruition. And the idea at the time, and I'm very visual and I think that's part of just how my brain works. It's, I was like thinking of like this amazing vintage mansion building where all these women come in and we help them to have a makeover. I, I really do think there's something magical about a makeover, a woman having that magic moment where she like preens in the mirror and does a little twirl. Like there's something about that, right? Or a little dance, you're like, yeah, look good, right? <laughs> like there's something about that. 
But then I started to think about like, what do the other floors of this building look like? So if we get you to the second floor and you're, you're feeling good in how you show up in the world, meaning like aesthetically, but also physically, your clothes are comfortable, all those things are in place. And you have this relationship developed with yourself where like, I'm gonna be kind to myself. I'm gonna take care of myself. I'm gonna listen to my own voice and my own needs and wants. By the time we get to the second floor, which to me is like the floor on wealth generation or just thinking about money, when we enter into conversations about money or we're thinking about our future and our financial legacy or literacy, you are coming from such a different space if you already have this established relationship and rapport with yourself. Mm, Yeah. And then when we get to the third floor, which is, you know, about gumption and leading with initiative and determination and courage, again, we have this really established foundation with yourself, but also sometimes things take means and that's the reality of the world that we live in. And then by the time we get to the very top floor, we talk about legacy. I love to think of legacy very expansively. Yes, I would love to leave a pot of money to some humans to do amazing things with. Absolutely. But I also want to leave behind a legacy of self-love and self-kindness and confidence and really have like teaching women how to have an amazing relationship with themselves. So that ripples out into all the communities that they in. Like my legacy, I want to be the ripple effect that mm. I shared information with one heart, one mind at a time. And she showed up differently to all the places that she shows up. And she modeled that behavior for someone else who modeled it for someone else who modeled it for someone else who modeled it for somebody else. So I like to think of myself as like the little bit of a rock and the large ripple effect that I won't even fully understand or see the effects of, which is amazing. And I think the cool thing is I don't have to reach a million women at once right now. I could reach one woman's heart and mind and then she'll show up differently. And that that's a legacy of wisdom and kindness and all those things. Like that's, that's what I want to leave. Mm, I love that vision. That's so beautiful. Is there anything that you want to share? We're going to talk about all of the amazing ways they can connect with you in a minute, but is there anything else that you want to share that we really haven't touched on in this podcast that you'd like to make sure they know? I feel like we touched so much ground, but I think there's like a theme running here, right? So I think part of it is like just listening to your own like voice in your own head again, not the mean one, (laughs) but the one that has like a longing to do something. The one that actually would prefer Chinese versus Mexican food tonight. And you are normally the one who defers to like, oh, I don't care. No, you actually really do care. Can you tell us what you care about? Like those little tiny preferences that we think are insignificant or silly to voice practice giving voice to them so that when it comes to something larger or of more import to you, you already have the habit and practice of giving voice to what you actually think and prefer. Yes. I love that so much. Okay, Judith, this has been a fabulous conversation. I knew it would be. And I would love it if you would share with everyone how best that they can connect with you. And I will be sure to put links in the show notes to everything you mentioned. Yeah, so we already plugged my podcast. Which is fabulous. Go listen to it. You're a podcaster. You listen. I know you like podcasts. Yes, it's perfect, right? So definitely you can start finding your way into my world by listening to 
Style Masterclass podcast. You can also go to my website, judithgatan.com and find out all the ways that you can work with me, whether that's in small groups or in Modern Charm School, which is now a thing in existence that I worked on very slowly for awesome. seven, seven years. Seven years, guys. Listen to that. Like she had an idea seven years ago. Don't give up on those little nuggets that somehow drop in your lap and you're like, what do I do with this? Like, just take note of it. The universe has given you a gift and just like hold on to it and just see what happens. Yeah. Like and circle it on a piece of paper and who knows when you'll come back to it. It's, it's incredible actually. So you can come hang out with me and on the members in there and we have an incredible time. There's lots of high achieving women in there who are doing style stuff, money stuff, working on legacy stuff. We have a good time inside. Awesome. All right. Then Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad we got to have this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, listener, for listening. (laughs) Wasn't Judith great? You can get all of the goodies that we talked about at dinacataldo.com forward slash 227. Now I want to share with you something that I think about sometimes when I think about the power of coaching. And Judith shared this, and I share this all the time on this podcast. And I want to let you know what my clients experience when they work with me, because the support that they receive to create the life that they want is something that cannot be measured. They create these connections with their family, with their loved ones that they were unable to create before coaching because work took over. They are able to reestablish connection to themselves in a way that they hadn't for years because they didn't have the mind management tools to shift out of work and into asking themselves what they wanted and giving it to themselves. They're able to do things like establish a family, really do the things that they want, really have the opportunity to create a family. I had one client who I actually coached her in a session and it changed the way she thought about creating a family. And then she went on to create her and her husband a baby. It's amazing what can be accomplished when you have the support that you need. I want to offer this to you because this kind of support is essential if we want to do big things. And my clients are able to do the big, scary things because they have the support to help them do it. They do it themselves. They do the work, but they get the mind management tools and they get someone who is experienced in helping them achieve what it is that they want because they've helped. I've helped other people do it. I have the tools to help people do it. And I want to help you do it too. So if when you hear my podcast, it resonates with you, that's not a coincidence. It means that there's something there for you. And if you want to explore what there might be there for you working with me, I want to invite you to book a consult. You can go to dinacataldo.com forward slash strategy session to book a call with me. And during our call, we will go through what is happening in your life right now. Where are the disconnections? Where are the areas where you're not giving yourself the support that you need? What do you want? And we're going to actually look at 
details of what it is that you want. Even if you feel confused right now and you don't really know what it is that you want, you just know that there's something there. I want to help you get there. And I will help create clarity on our strategy session, on our consult, so that you can get what you need. Whether or not you decide that you want to work with me or not, you are going to know for sure what it is you need. So book a call with me. Go to dinacataldo.com forward slash strategy session if this is resonating with you. Because there's no point in denying yourself what it is that you want and the support that you need. And I'm here for you. All right, my friend, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now.